Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roadie on the Horn podcast. Today is Friday, October 23rd at time of recording. And we have an awesome episode for you today. As always, I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Donnie, who we will hear from in a little bit. But not only am I with Donnie today, as always, but we are with another one of our good friends, a guest today. It's our buddy, Steve. Steve, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. Excited to be on Roadie on the Horn. Yeah, good stuff. Steve, one of our good friends, always asks us questions relating to the Islanders and the Jets, so we'll get into a lot of those thoughts as well. But without further ado, Donnie, you're obviously here as well. The Dodgers, they're in the middle of the World Series, so how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. You know, I got the Dodger hat on, uh, you know, just just fired up. Uh, Game three, big game, obviously. If you win game three, you win the series via reports, via what I've been told on Twitter, so... Uh, that's what I'm here for. Uh, fired up for tonight's game. Yeah, good stuff. Obviously, all your LA teams looking to cap off championships. You got the Lakers a few weeks ago, so now trying to finish it off with the Dodgers. So that is really nice. But we'll get into some baseball thoughts in a little bit. I want to start today with the National Football League, NFL, obviously. They're uh, kicking things into gear. A lot of things going on in terms of trades and, unfortunately, COVID. And obviously, now we're towards midseason now. But we had a game last night, Thursday Night Football, between Donnie and I, our favorite teams. They may not be the best team. And by not the best, I mean some of the worst in the NFL. But the Eagles and Giants played a game last night. And the Eagles ended up winning 21 or 22-21 over the Giants. That was an interesting game. Could not start the podcast any other way. But, Donnie, I'm going to let you kick things off here. Your thoughts on, on what we witnessed last night? Um, losing is winning. So that's a dub. I'm pretty happy with how everything went last night. Obviously, they stayed in the game for a while. I was excited about seeing them win. And then, you know, in the, in the most Giants fashion possible, um, they ended up losing, uh, giving up a nice drive at the end of the game. Jabot Peppers cannot play defense, unfortunate. And then uh, a fumble, because why else? Uh, what else could happen at the end of a game other than a Daniel Jones fumble to end it? So, you know, uh, as I've said, uh, the last couple of weeks, I think, you know, we're okay with losing at this point. We have established that losing is something that we can handle as a Giants fan. You know, I've been handling it the last couple of years. And uh, there's really nothing I can take out of last night's game that I'm like excited about either, like like positives. It's just they lost. It's okay. It's fine. Like I'm over it. Like we're good. Like I don't care. Yeah, two very bad football teams. Obviously, they're in the NFC East. We also have Washington and Dallas going on this weekend. So uh, we'll get a few more wins in the NFC East because it seems like the inner division games is the only way that any of these teams are ever going to get wins. So the Eagles were able to get that by. Carson Wentz has played better in the fourth quarter of games. He's still kind of been inconsistent overall this year, but uh, definitely showed some signs of life towards the end of that game, capping off that comeback. So uh, interesting note there for the Eagles. <laughs> As I was thinking, obviously, Donnie mentioned that the Eagles had to come back in that game. I was like, I'm not ready to go into draft mode yet. Donnie and the Giants, they're over there. They're already thinking about, about April. Me, as an Eagles fan, I'm not quite there yet. So uh, I was definitely glad to see the Eagles cap that off. They uh, have had a lot of success against the Giants in the past. So that was nice to see that continue. But um, so, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that game. I know, Steve, you wanted to touch on another game that we're going to see this weekend featuring your New York Jets. So uh, let's hear what you're thinking about that as they face the Buffalo Bills. Well, first off. You, you take everything Bills. You take the Bills first half. You take Bills money line. You take Bills minus 10 and a half. Because um, the Bills are going to just run over the Jets. And there's no other way around it. Um, Darnold plays. Darnold doesn't play. Nah, I don't really think it matters. Um, maybe Darnold makes more competitive. Joe Flacco, it's probably like a 20-point spread. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just... I'm looking forward to watching it. I look, honestly, I look forward to Jets games now. Because I want to see how they can be more embarrassing this week than the previous week. 
So that's what I look forward to. <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, it seems like every week they kind of just one-up themselves by looking worse than they did in the past. And honestly, that's like almost impressive. But yeah, obviously the Jets, they are another team that winning at this point, it doesn't really benefit them. And obviously going up against the Bills, that um, is definitely a matchup that does not favor the Jets. So uh, that's definitely one to watch this weekend. Another game I wanted to highlight that we'll see this weekend is Bucks raiders well, ordinarily, this may not seem like an interesting game, but these teams have actually been kind of decent this year. And obviously, this is the John Gruden game. Obviously, now coaching the Vegas Raiders, used to coach the Bucks, And then, yeah, we won a Super Bowl with the Bucks against the Raiders. So it's just kind of funny. You'll hear uh, a lot about that if you watch that game. So that's definitely one I'm looking forward to as well. Donnie, any games from you you're looking out for this weekend? Oh, you know, we have undefeated Pittsburgh versus undefeated Tennessee. Somebody's got to lose unless they tie, which would be uh, a little bit unfortunate because, you know, ties in football just don't sit right with me. Uh, but, yeah, two 5-0 teams. Uh, I think Tennessee's probably the favorite because Tennessee is probably the better team overall. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Steelers went out there and won again. It's like It seems like they have done absolute bits, basically, with, with Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. Um, it just goes to show how much of a difference having a veteran quarterback who's like maybe a little bit above average at this point rather than what they had last year, the garbage they were throwing out there and just see how good the team is compared to how they were last year where they were like uh, a middling 500 franchise and now they're 5-0 and um, in a division where I don't think anybody really picked them to be leading, uh, leading the division at this point. I think everybody thought Baltimore would kind of run away with it and then Pittsburgh and Cleveland would be there. Um, and then you have Tennessee, who's also running a division that's pretty bad. But, um, you know, obviously Indy's behind them. Then you have Houston and Jacksonville, who are basically useless. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it could be a good matchup. I think we could see one of the closer, um, better-fought games of the season, especially because Derrick Henry against Pittsburgh's run defense. It should be a very, very interesting thing to watch. Yeah, no question. I've definitely been impressed with Pittsburgh this year. I think they've done a really nice job at scouting and developing some of their young players, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Guys like Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, obviously Juju Sister as well. Even some of their backs, James Conner, Benny Snell, have been solid for them. And then, like you said, last year it didn't go really well. Obviously, when they were without Ben, they had some issues at quarterback whenever it was uh, either uh, Mason Rudolph or Delvin Hodges. It really didn't matter. They, it couldn't really muster up enough offense. So now that Ben's back, he's actually been playing pretty good football. So that's definitely an interesting matchup to see. Not really one I expected of both these teams to be undefeated. So I'm glad you brought that up there. But uh, a few other notes out of the NFL that we saw this week. Antonio Brown back in the news. Rumors of him potentially going to either Seattle or Baltimore. Those are kind of two of the teams in the mix. Uh, I know when I first heard this news, I thought Seattle would be really interesting just given the fact that they've had really good receiver plays so far this year. Obviously, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but uh, even David Moore as well. So if you add Antonio Brown into that mix, I think that would be uh, really nice. And then obviously Baltimore being the other team. So uh, any thoughts from you guys on, on Antonio Brown being back in the news? Yeah, uh, I kind of forgot he existed. I heard he's well, he's uh, going to come back in a couple of weeks. And I heard the Seahawks as well um, be a Colin Coward as a source. Um, they're the definitely the leader, so I think they'll get him. And uh, having him and DK Metcalf, again, it's just can he play? When he played with New England, he was really solid. Um, and now can he join this team and make a run? I think, again, like you said, they have good receivers, but I feel like they could still use like another, I don't know. Uh, DK Metcalf's my boy. Uh, he's one of my favorite players to watch, honestly. But I think adding an Antonio Brown is just like I don't, I don't. Depending on how many receivers you have, it doesn't really matter. Um, he's a game changer. Period. So it'll be exciting. Yeah, I think it's it's fair to say that, especially because I think I think you can establish that Antonio Brown, especially as a number two on a team, because I think that the Seahawks they definitely have their number one, and um, he he. 
Russell knows who he likes to throw to. Adding on Antonio Brown just makes things a little bit stronger, especially because you can't have enough wide receiver depth. You can't have enough depth, period, in football, um, with how, especially with how the injuries have went this year. It's like, it seems like every team has had injuries to a, a high-quality player at some point. Um, my only concern is can Antonio Brown stay out of trouble for like 12 weeks? Because I think that that's that's three months. That's a lot of time for him to go get COVID or, or go to a strip club and, and you know, punch somebody. Um, you really never know. Antonio Brown's a loose cannon. Uh, I think if there's any team that's going to deal with it, it's going to be the Seahawks. I think Pete Carroll doesn't really care. Pete Carroll's just kind of hanging out. Pete Carroll does his own thing. Um, and he, I don't know, Pete, Pete Carroll's a, a player's coach. He'll get Antonio Brown into wraps. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know, just a process in general to see where Antonio Brown has been and now where he is. It's like he's a free agent. He was suspended for eight weeks, and now he's just going to pop right back in and be normal. Like, is he going to be great? Like, what are we, what are we going to get out of Antonio Brown realistically? Yeah, you said loose cannon. I thought that was very well said on Antonio Brown. Like you said, off the field, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. And then uh, you mentioned Seattle being a, a team that could potentially handle that. I think uh, that's something we saw before with Josh Gordon. Kind of everybody was saying, oh, it's New England or Seattle. Like, if, if you can't make it work there, it's not going to work anywhere. Josh Gordon failed in both those places, and now Antonio Brown's on his second of those two teams as well. So uh, if it is end up Seattle, that would be interesting. The other team I mentioned showing interest in AB is the Baltimore Ravens. They actually made another trade this week, acquiring Yannick and Gakwe from the Minnesota Vikings, only trading a third and a fifth rounder. That was actually pretty surprising for me. I went back and looked a little bit uh, in depth in Ngakwe just because I was curious. I know he had a lot of trade rumors with the Jaguars and then he went ended up going to the Vikings, but still just 25 years old. He was a third round pick a few years ago in out of coming out of Maryland, but He's actually been a very consistent player. He's only missed one game as in, in his entire career. He's played 69 career games, so I thought that was nice, obviously. And he's got 42 and a half career sacks. So a very, very productive player for uh, Yannick Ngakwe. And then obviously going to the Ravens, another team that's obviously competing for a Super Bowl this year. They've looked really good. And I saw a tweet from Field Yates uh, after this trade was made. And it said that the Ravens acquired Yannick Ngakwe, Marcus Peters, and Calais Campbell. So three of their starters on defense for a grand total of three fifth-round picks, a third-round pick and linebacker Kenny Young. So they get three starters for scraps out of the draft and, and a backup linebacker. So uh, the fact that the Ravens are just continuing to stockpile a bunch of talent, that's definitely scary. I thought that was a really good add uh, for the Ravens this week. You see teams not want to trade their draft picks for whatever reason, and it's like, what are you getting out of a third or a fourth or a fifth rounder? It's like, at this point, especially in the NFL, I feel like draft picks, once you get to the third, fourth, and fifth, you're basically just taking the home run picks. You're probably not going to end up with a super talented player, although there are guys every year. Um, I just don't understand how, how trading in the NFL works. Still to this day, I have no idea, because it seems like there's always good players that get traded for basically nothing. And in reality, a third rounder, it has some value because you can flip it for something else, but... Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like the NFL in itself, the trades are so strange and trading draft picks and trading players and such. Obviously, um, salary doesn't help, but everything's just weird in the NFL with in terms of trades. And as you get to the deadline, you always have these these head scratchers that end up don't they don't make any sense. And it's just how the NFL is, I think. I, I would agree. I think the trading in the NFL is probably the most inconsistent thing like in sports. Like, I understand how, again, I know there's salaries in it, but. Josh Rosen gets traded for a second, and then like Le'Veon Bell can't get traded. Like no one's trade for him. I know it's because of his salary, but like it's just like that. Like if you told it to someone that doesn't really know sports like that well as an outsider, um, not looking deep into it, you're like what the hell is going on? But I think uh, the Ravens, they're especially a team that why do you need your fifth round picks, right? Like you're obviously contending every year. Um, maybe the smaller teams they'd be more willing to may want to keep picks like you see the Giants just made a trade for a six the Jets have already made two trades they've I think they got like three six round picks in the past week 
Um, but the Ravens, like, what are you doing with your fifth round pick? You'd rather trade it for uh, depth or some NFL talent right now. Yeah, totally agree with that. I think the Ravens, they, they may be stunned on this as well, as all of we are on some of these trades. The fact that they've gotten uh, such great quality players for pretty much just scraps in the draft. So uh, that was definitely an interesting move that we saw this week. And as I said, Yannick Ngakwe, only 25 years old. So it's not even like this necessarily could be a move where they're just like, well, we'll get this guy for a year. And uh, the Vikings, what, a big reason why they traded him away is because they weren't able to extend him. So they traded a second round pick. Uh, back when they acquired him from Jacksonville in the offseason, and now they get a third-round pick back. So that was kind of strange there, but uh, definitely like that ad for Baltimore. So uh, definitely just wanted to touch on those uh, news and notes from this week out of the NFL, but we can now shift over to our listener questions from this week. we got a bunch. We'll cover uh, a bunch of different topics in sports here, uh, especially relating to, to some of Steve's teams, obviously uh, him being our guest this week. But we're actually going to start with the, with the Blackhawks in the NHL. First question asker this week comes from our friend Scott, Scotty G, at Sports with Scott. He says, now that the Blackhawks are rebuilding, do you trust Stan Bowman to do the rebuild? So this was actually big news coming out of this week that uh, the Blackhawks management kind of came out with some news that um, they, they didn't officially come out and say that they were rebuilding. I listened to a lot of interviews with Stan Bowman. Actually, this was um, something that was interesting. It's not typical that uh, players in the Black or management from the Blackhawks would do things like this, where they would go on a bunch of different podcasts. But Stan Bowman kind of went, made the media rounds, listened uh, to a few different podcasts of him talking about this week. And um, it, it, it definitely is interesting. I feel like some of the things that the Blackhawks have been doing lately, it kind of just is, is strange. Like, what is their direction? But uh, a lot of what Stan Bowman was saying is that they just kind of wanted to um, develop from within. So a lot of the younger players that they do have, guys like Kirby Doc, Adam Boquist, even Alex Dabrinkit is still pretty young. The, they kind of want to build through that. But a lot of what he was talking about did not really incorporate Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane into it. So I thought that was interesting. Obviously, these are two of the best players in the history of your franchise. So the fact that they still have this window where they're under contract for a few years and the Blackhawks are not either surrounding them with a ton of talent like they had for so long and that strategy has not worked the last couple of years and they didn't come out and say we're looking to rebuild or retool kind of like similarly to the Rangers but um, it is kind of interesting I, I don't know necessarily if Stan Bowman is necessarily the best person to be leading the Blackhawks through this um, kind of I guess organizational change if you will um, I know we've talked about before on the podcast how they changed team presidents recently as well. So uh, kind of some head-scratching decisions going on with the Blackhawks. They, they kind of went out and said that they're not going to be very good this year. Obviously, one of the big moves, they decided not to re-sign Corey Crawford. So um, the fact that they're going to have uh, some young goalies in net, they have Malcolm Subban, Kevin Lankinen, Colin Delia. So a lot of unproven goalies. So um, it's really interesting to see kind of what the Blackhawks are thinking. A big thing that Stan Bowman was talking about was that they need to do a better job at acquiring depth. So, I mean, we'll see if they're able to develop that from within or not. So um, kind of an interesting situation going on with the Blackhawks. But, um, yeah, I mean, Steve, if you want to go share some thoughts on on what you're seeing as an outside perspective of the Blackhawks. Yeah, I read uh, some comments as well uh, on Stan Bowman. I know he, he talked on some podcasts recently, and he said this is a quote. He says, there are probably some elements of that. I think we're certainly going to go younger, but that doesn't mean we're just going to have a team full of 22-year-old players. There's going to be a combination of veteran players and young players. So I think he kind of pushed away the notion of a rebuild because he said when people say rebuild, you think of like trading away everyone with high salary, trading away the old guys and just bringing in young players. Um, that doesn't seem to be what his idea of a rebuild is. He kind of wants to just get a little younger. Um, still keep veteran guys, maybe like obviously a Kane, a Taze, a Keith, um, but just get depth, get a little younger. Um, so 
I think it's be interesting. Is he the guy to do it? How will this team look in three or four years? If he's there, if he's not, um, obviously they're gonna be looking at all of his moves as he's leaving his stamp on this team. Obviously, so um, should be interesting. But uh, with the way he's talking about it, I don't really know how he's going to approach it necessarily because you're kind of like not rebuilding. You're kind of rebuilding. You're doing it, but you're not. You're saying you're going to do it, but you're saying you're not going to do it. It's kind of like a, a in between type thing. I don't know. I'm not sure how he's gonna handle it. Which is like the worst place to be, I think. In my opinion, at least, it's like either commit, especially the Blackhawks. They they kind of need a direction, like a strong direction. And I don't think the Blackhawks have a strong direction or have had a strong direction since they won the cup. Uh, and we're not that far off. Uh, we talk about this a lot. The Blackhawks are only a couple years off of being that contender, that consistent contending team. Um, but yeah, I don't know. See, as a Ranger fan, watching them do the little retool thing. Obviously, I watched the Rangers trade away. Uh, just about all of the good talent that we had. Um, in, in terms of like high quality players, like I got to see Ryan McDonough leave, uh, JT Miller was traded, um, and Rick Nash, so on and so forth. Um, obviously, it's different with the Blackhawks, and I think Bowman being there for the rebuild or retool, whatever they're doing, means that they probably will not move Kane and Taze, which is probably a positive for Blackhawks fans at this point, I'd say. If they had another GM in, he may uh, sit there and toy around with the idea of trading everybody and, you know, going back, going for broke, basically. Um, just absolutely devoid of talent and then you get back at it in a couple years but uh, I think the Blackhawks have established that if Bowman's going to stick around for a while which you never, you never know he could be fired next year um, y- you know if you're going to have Bowman starting off this rebuild he's probably going to end the rebuild too I don't think you're going to fire him mid-retool or rebuild that's just not how that works usually um, so I would say that's more of a positive for Blackhawks fans who want to keep Kane and Taze and see if they can get back at it uh, it's not like they're that far off realistically it's just you'd like to see them um, you know, they need to make a couple more moves uh, salary-wise. They need to wait a couple years and see what opens up, see how their prospects develop, all that. Uh, they're in a very weird state. If I was a Blackhawks fan, I'd be very, very upset right now, uh, considering you saw so many good years of, of just absolute, I, I'd say, contention year after year. And now they're basically in that middling state of teams that they've made fun of. Like, I used to see Blackhawks fans make fun of Wild fans on Twitter all the time. And now they're in the same spot that the Wild have been in and are in right now. They're in kind of like a middling. Um, they're not going to be bad enough to get a top two, top three pick unless they get lucky in the lottery. Uh, but they're not going to be good enough to make the playoffs probably. It's just a really interesting situation for them. Yeah, no doubt. I thought you said that well, Donnie, especially with the fact that they are kind of directionless and – uh, we mentioned, we've kind of been talking about some of the podcasts that Stan Bowman was on. One of the ones that I really enjoyed listening to was from Redline Radio for the Barstool Sports. Barstool Chief actually got to sit down with Stan Bowman, and it was kind of an interesting to hear that kind of perspective. It like especially Barstool Sports, you think about them as a kind of company. It's like it's not necessarily like the most conventional media. So the fact that they were able to have kind of a general conversation with Stan was really interesting. I think some of my takeaways. It's you can kind of go back and, and re, rethink about what's happened with the Blackhawks. As you said, not too long ago, they were one of the best teams in the NHL, consistently competing for Stanley Cups. We're talking about the year after they won the Stanley Cup in 2015. 2016, they made an aggressive move at the deadline, trading for Andrew Ladd. They were the top seed in the Western Conference. Then it kind of just all fell apart. They get swept by Nashville uh, in that playoff series. And then the next two years, they were out of the playoffs. And then this year, they kind of made the playoffs. They were the 12 seed and then uh, beat the Oilers in that weird play-in series and then kind of just got handed to them by Vegas. So it's not like they are at the level where they're even like close to competing. So the fact that they're willing to say, hey, you know, we're committed to like player development and some of our younger guys I like. But then in doing that, 
the fact that they do still have Taze and Kane, to me, I think that's kind of an opportunity. You can cash out on their value. Other teams are going to want to pay a lot of money. You're like, if we, if you were saying we were auction off Patrick Kane to the most assets, I think you could get multiple first round picks and prospects in that deal. And that would continually streamline a better direction for the Hawks that, Hey, listen, we're going to suck this year and probably next year anyways, because our goaltending situation is awful. We have goalies that we don't really know what's going to happen. And one of the examples Bowman talked about was the Blue Jackets and that they let go of Bobrovsky and they kind of had Merzlikens and Corpy Sala who were unproven. And then they actually turned out to be decent, but I just don't see that as necessarily a direct comparison because the Blue Jackets actually have a very good structure with John Tortorella of playing defense, and I do not see that with the Blackhawks at all. They're putting a lot of trust in their young defensemen, guys like Adam Boquist and uh, Ian Mitchell should be coming up. They made their trade for Nikita Zadorov for Brandon Saad, but I still don't think it's enough. I think they're going to be bad anyways, and I think that's something that Hawks management saw and was like, all right, well, I guess we'll just be a little bit more open that we're probably not going to be very good this year. But then I see that as an opportunity. If you're going to be bad anyways, trash out on some of these assets. Guys like Taves, guys like Kane, if you are have the ability to trade them away, they are already kind of upset with this direction. I feel like you should be trying to cash out on that and improve yourself for the future because that seems to be the direction you're going anyways. As a Blackhawks fan, would you not be a little bit upset to see them get rid of Kane and Taves after all those years? Um, more because of mismanagement than anything. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And I think from an emotional fan perspective, yeah. But if we're talking about building a team and from a general manager perspective, you just pretty much admitted we're going to suck next year. So why would you not try to cash out on these assets? I just see it as an opportunity. Well, you got to put people in the seats. People have to show that up. Is, Nobody, that is if fair. You trade, if you trade Kane and Taze and you trade away Duncan Keith and all of them and you throw out a team when your first line is a bunch of bums and you have 42 points a season, you end up like the Red Wings and nobody's going to show up to games. Like, yeah. I, I, I just, you know, there's no, a business that's, aspect That's definitely it. a real concern that you bring up. But the Blackhawks, they were trashed the last couple of years. They were literally like... That like last season, for example, they were still like first in the league in attendance, even with a team that was just so mediocre and was the 12 seed out of 12 teams to make it in the Western Conference uh, restart playoffs. Like, I still think that it should not be as significant a concern. And I get it. If I was an owner, yeah, I probably wouldn't want that either. And the fact that the Blackhawks haven't come out and said, yeah, we're straight up rebuilding, but we're not tearing it all down. You know, it it may be a difficult decision, but at the end of the day, you're trying to build a team. And if they're saying that their window is not this year and next year, then Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane would only have one year left anyways. I think you're just not doing a good enough job managing your assets, which has kind of been a trend. This is how they put themselves in this situation, making kind of just head-scratching moves the last couple of years that, um, you know, Stan Bowman was the guy that put them in this situation. Yeah, he did a great job at building it up, but the, the years after where it was so great have been awful. It's been directionless, like we're saying, and that's the worst part you can bit. And the fact that they came out and said anything, I think, you know, maybe it's not the most popular decision to, to look to trade Taser Kane, but um, if it was me sitting in that chair, I definitely would consider m- making that decision without a doubt. Directionless is definitely uh, the word, because, uh, again, you're sitting here contemplating, like, many different ideas. They don't have a direction. You don't know, like, what they're going to do, and you want them to do certain uh, different things than what they plan on doing. Because you don't really have an idea what they're going to do. He's, he's kind of like throwing out the idea of multiple things. Veterans, getting younger, keeping both, trying to stay. I don't know. I mean, I guess you want to stay competitive. You want to keep some veterans in your team with your younger players. So um, directionless is definitely the word I would use to describe the Blackhawks right now. And, uh, you know, you just have to wait and see what he does, um, especially in a flat cap. I don't know if that affects the Blackhawks in any way. It seems like it's affecting many teams. So, um their moves and just if they draft well maybe they can sneak in a year or something 
I don't. I'm not sure, but right, but like, even if they do sneak in here, like how much enjoyment did we really get from watching the Blackhawks just get smacked by Vegas in the first round? I know I sure didn't. Like I don't. I don't understand why that's beneficial, and that's kind of what they're setting themselves up for with with continuing to do this. And and a lot of those interviews that that we've been referencing, like Sam Bowman's was way more fired up about the development of Kirby Doc and how he played in the last couple of years, and um, guys like Adam Boquist coming along, like. It just doesn't seem like Taze and Kane are really in the long-term plans of this team anyways. So I feel like when they still have term left, you should be trying to cash out on it. And maybe it's not the most popular decision. I understand that. But um, for me, that's kind of the direction I would go. So um, that's kind of my thoughts on that as of now. So uh, good discussion there with the Hawks. It was good to hear uh, some of your guys' thoughts uh, from New York fandoms teams in the, uh, in the NHL. So uh, really good question there from Scott. We'll definitely continue to be uh, talking about the Hawks. Next thought, Scott's got for us. He says, new addition to my question from last week, why does Stan Bowman and Adam Gase still have a job? So obviously we just talked about Stan Bowman quite a bit there. But yeah, Steve, Adam Gase, why does he still have a job? Let's hear it. (laughs) There's many, many reasons why he could still have a job. One, I believe I heard from an athletic, uh, or maybe, I don't know, but it was the power structure of the New York Jets is that apparently Joe Douglas doesn't have the power to fire Adam Gase, even if he wanted to, which I don't think he would, because I always say to people, Adam Gase got Joe Douglas fired. I mean, hired. Adam Gase got Mike McCagden fired, and Joe Douglas, he went to Joe, literally went to Joe Douglas's house and recruited him. He got him hired. This is why he's the gentleman out of the New York Jets, is because of Adam Gase. So I feel like even if he wanted to, I don't think he'd fire him this quick, because that's, I feel like they have this little bond, this little relationship, you know, behind, you know, behind the scenes. Um, and apparently he doesn't have the power to, because they report to the ownership. So it's kind of Chris. They report to Chris Johnson. So I'm sure he has the say. Uh, and he just called him a brilliant offensive mind. So that shows you where his mindset's at with Adam Gase. And also, I think, I mean, this is my personal opinion. I think they want Trevor Lawrence. And I think keeping Adam Gase honestly gives you the best chance at Trevor Lawrence. Um, there's not really a benefit in when you're 0 6 and you clearly have no chance of doing anything this year. Just throw it in the tank. Why fire Adam Gase? And even have the idea of bringing in some interim coach and winning maybe two or three games in the end of the season, meaningless games, and ruining your chance. Um, I just don't see the point of it. But should Adam Gase have a job? No. But I feel like there are many reasons why he does. And I don't think he'll have one for long. I'll say that. I don't think he'll have one for long. I don't know. I think that's probably fair. I'd say end of the season. As soon as the season's over, they got to do something, right? It's like... We've talked about the Jets over and over. They are a stumbling, bubbling mess right now. They are they are an absolute shit show. There were probably this is probably the worst Jets team you've ever seen, and the worst Jets team you'll ever see probably. Um, and the talent just seems to dwindle little by little every week for you, right? Like it's like there's there's no positive gain out of watching these games for you. This is yeah. This is hands. Down. I mean, they're, they're probably gonna go. I mean, I think they're gonna own sixteen. I don't. I looked at their schedule earlier today. I don't. I mean, unless again they play the Dolphins again. That's I don't see them winning a game this year uh, with the talent they have and the way they're coached. And Adam, I mean, I, the numbers are astonished. The facts are astonishing. Looking at this guy's resume and the like, how he is still like, I, I, it's I don't I'm at a loss of words. I don't understand if you look at I should have I should have had him on me. The numbers, I mean, obviously he's 31st in like every offensive statistic in the league. Like it's it's not even like. You can you don't have to look it up. You, the Jets are probably bottom two in that statistic. Uh, I mean, even without Sam Darnold, they've averaged seventy eight yards on offense in a game. In a game, they've averaged seventy eight yards without Sam Darnold. That's how much offense they average. It's like 
you can't ma- I mean, Joe Flacco is not Tom Brady over here, but like you can't manage more than like seventy yards average without Sam. Yeah, that, that's a good drive. Nine games. Um, like that's shocking. Yeah, like so some like Magic Mahomes will average that in a drive. Like you can't even average that in a whole football game. It's yeah. In terms of points for, they're thirty second of thirty two in the league uh, with twelve and a half per game. Uh, they just got shut out last week, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, by, by a Dolphins yeah. team that is uh, really not that good. Uh, they have a good defense and all that, but like, you know, it's like a, it's a it's a middling wild card Dolphins team. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I agree with you. I think it's shocking to see just how they've got to this point. M- more than anything, um, this is a team that is thirty first in yards, thirty second in first downs this year, thirty um, second in passing yards, thirty first in passing touchdowns. Uh, 32nd yards per attempt it's like even the, i thought the giants offense was bad and then you look at these it's like oh you know th- things maybe not they're not that bad uh, obviously you know the you're not a beneficiary of having a real quarterback Darnold is has been hurt for a couple weeks so it doesn't really help and joe flacco is absolutely abysmal he is really really bad but yeah i didn't even realize it was that bad until i just looked at the stats i'm not gonna lie that's you. what you, you you don't think it's you think it, you're like oh it can't be that bad and then you actually look at the numbers you crunch the numbers you look at what this guy has done as a head coach and you're like Oh my God! It's actually like it's actually that bad. Like that's why I say I look forward to finding how the Jets will literally embarrass themselves even more the next week. This week it was a twenty-eight yard sack on a third down play. That was how they that that was their <laughs> that's how they went up. It next week I don't know they might like fumble a punt or something. I, I don't I don't understand. Something's gonna happen next week. It's gonna be funny. So yeah, yeah I thought it's... you brought up a lot of good points there, Steve. Uh, obviously, you have good insight on. Uh, how Adam Gase kind of helped get the job for Joe Douglas. And I thought you brought up another good point earlier in that if you're Joe Douglas, you're sitting in that chair right now, it does not benefit you to see the Jets winning football games. Like as crazy as that may sound, but they are so bad that even if you win, like miraculously you win five games and then you put yourself in a worse draft pick position. Unfortunately, that's the system in place. And the best thing for the Jets right now is to continue to lose and have the best chance to get Trevor Lawrence. So I, I definitely agree with you in that. And and Joe Douglas's perspective, I think he's kind of like, you know what, I'm just going to kind of roll with it right now. It's not a pretty a pretty product on the field right now, but we realize we're kind of in a rebuild right now. Like we were talking about the Blackhawks. At least the Jets have a direction. At least they're kind of committing to this tank thing right now. One thing I would like to see a little bit more from Adam Gase, though, we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast. It's just a little bit more commitment to player development. I think guys like Michael Pete Ryan should be getting a lot more touches um, than he is. I think that would be really kind of the, the thing I would like to see a little bit more from um, that offense and, and that team the rest of the year. But yeah, I think Adam Gase, yeah, I, he, he may end up surviving the rest of the season. I don't know. We'll see on that. I definitely think he will. It's, I, I wish again, I should start bookmarking these guys quotes out there. Like, during practice, he, he focuses on Piran and how, you know, Oh, we got rid of bell. Like once we got rid of bell, he's got Piran's gonna be a big part of the offense. He got like two or three carries against the dolphins. I, I don't even like maybe six targets overall, the entire game. He was not a focus of the offense. Even when he had bell, he says, we want to target Bell in the passing game. And the last week before he got traded, he had one target receiving as a, as a passer out of the passing game. Um, he, he, I clearly, he just doesn't, his game plan, he, they make a game plan now where they just don't want to get blown out and they still find a way to get blown out. Like he is ridiculously bad at his job that anyone that has a job should just feel good about themselves, that they're not as bad as Adam Gase. Like it is, I, I, Oh, I, I'm at a loss of words. Again, um, I, I cannot begin he is so bad at everything he does. Everything he does. He's psychotic. He probably can't even make breakfast properly. He is awful at everything he does. <laughs> I hate him. Taking shots at Adam Gase's ability to make pancakes right there. I love That's it. That's tough. That's very tough. All right, so our next thought from Scott actually relates to this current conversation. So we'll move on to that here. He says, 
if the Jets have the first overall pick, should Trevor Lawrence not declare for the draft and return to Clemson for another year? So he's saying if the Jets end up picking first, should Trevor Lawrence say, you know what, actually, I'm not going to go to the NFL and go to the get drafted by the Jets, but I'm going to come back to Clemson next year. Steve, I'll get your insight on that here first. Well, there was a report came out, I, th- I, th- I don't know if you guys saw it, about his advisor or something, rep- uh, advising him to not go to the NFL if the Jets are the first pick. Um, I think that all that all uh, comes down to is Adam Gase going to be the head coach. I think if you can get maybe a college coach, I mean, Lincoln Riley seems to be a rumor every year, but I don't think he's ever going to come over. Uh, Harbaugh is another rumor every year. Uh, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, the Titans yeah, the offensive enemy. coordinators. Yeah, the enemy. Uh, Arthur, the uh, Titans offensive coordinator, he's always rumored around. If you can get like an like one of those guys, I think it's I don't see why you wouldn't cuz like Adam Gase is the problem. Like I think he is literally the problem. If they had a better coach, they probably wouldn't be on six right now. I think they could probably scrap a win or two. I know their roster is awful. But then at the same time, you have two first round picks this year, two second round picks. You have two first round picks in the following year because of thanks to Jamal Adams. Um no, we have one first second round pick this year. Two first and two first uh for the next four first next two years, sorry. So I think you have like potential building blocks if they draft properly. Um, I think it just comes down to the coach. If I'm Trevor Lawrence and they can get kind of a better coach, I wouldn't be. A, I, I don't. I don't see why he wouldn't declare. But I think if Adam Gase is the coach, yeah, I would stay away as well. I feel bad more than anything. I don't know. It just. I feel like. I don't know. He's not in a bad position. Obviously, he's going to go number one. What? What does he care? What? Is, what does it matter to him? But. If you were going to pick a team, I feel like the Jets are so far off of being like that team that he could actually lead to do anything. It's like, realistically, if you put Trevor Lawrence in that offense, what's happening? What's 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 going to gain? Like, they may be a little bit better than, than if they had Sam Darnold in there, but for what? Because it's still a bad team, and there's still so many pieces that they need, and they're so far off of where they need to be. I don't know. If I'm Trevor Lawrence, I go, I don't know. There's no reason to stay at college, especially because injuries and such. Um, I, I don't know. The Jets are really, really, really far off, and you'd have to see... Uh, I would assume that they would fire their coach uh, as soon as the season's over before the draft and see if they can make a direction and see if they can get Trevor Lawrence to, you know, like actually um, buy into the system maybe a little bit or buy into the Jets. Um, but that, that's got to be very, very tough to convince somebody, hey, come be a Jet for the rest of your for 15 years in your career. And after seeing what's happened the last, what, decade at this point? Yeah, definitely agree with that. I think the coach part of it that you brought up, Steve, is definitely a big factor in this. Like, if the Jets are able to get a guy like Eric Bieniemy, I think that would really help Trevor Lawrence in in terms of wanting to come out. But I think the other kind of point is, who have the Jets had in the past that they've proven they've been able to develop at quarterback? Like, Joe Namath is probably the best quarterback in the Jets' history. Like, I feel like they just don't have a great track record at developing quarterbacks and having a lot of success because of it. So I think that could be another factor for Lawrence in this. Uh, yeah, I think we haven't had a really a coach to develop a quarterback. I mean, we had, I mean, I can't think of a really a, like a significant coach we've had, um, like developing quarter. I don't know. I mean, Todd Bowles last we uh, last couple of years, we knew he wasn't the offense guy. He was a defensive coach, right? He's obviously a tremendous coordinator, but he was never head coach. You bring in Adam Gase now. He's supposed to be this great offense. Again, I don't know. We're not going to get into that again. But uh, I think <laughs> Rex did like, there work. Are, yeah, Rex is another work. defensive mind. Another a Mangini. I mean, maybe Bill, like Parcells maybe. Like we're going that far back. I don't know. Yeah. Um, like that, Again, that's how far you have to go back. So I think they I think they have a chance, though, to like get a Trevor Lawrence and get an off like a, a big, like we just named some options. Again, will they come to the Jets? That's the question. Like there may be better jobs out there. Like, 
like uh, I think we were talking the other day about um the Falcons being a yeah. an interesting job for some coaches like some some uh, that could be an interesting team to look at for. So it's I think it's yeah sure there could be options for coaches to come, but like will they come? <laughs> like will they? Joe Douglas have to do a hell yeah. of a pitch. Um, I'm sure he'd use their draft picks as a pitch. I think that's really the only the only pitches they have. They have a lot of draft picks coming up, um, including two first rounders and a potential franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Um, maybe that could sway a team, a coach to come here. But uh, again, it's too early to tell, but I think the coach is the biggest factor when it comes to Trevor Lawrence. Cause yeah, I don't know, see why he'd Steve, want to play on their Adam Congratulations Bears. on Jason Garrett. Congratulations. Jason <laughs> Garrett. That see, like that's, that would, that wouldn't sit well with me. I mean, uh, it's the New York connection. He's there. He's easy to get to. He's easy to talk to. I mean, it's like, that would be very just, I, I see a, what Donnie's saying there. A great year with the giants offense, developing Daniel Jones into an absolute superstar. Jason Garrett steps in and takes over the Jets. I mean, it's, it makes too much sense. Yeah, I thought I do. I do agree with you though, Steve. I think Joe Douglas, like it, a lot of times when you become an NFL general manager, you got one shot at this thing. Like if you, it's not like how it is in the NHL where GMs get recycled a lot. Usually, NFL general managers, you got one shot. And I think for Joe Douglas, his biggest task right now is going to be that recruiting pitch, like you were saying, Steve. Like he's got to get one of those top tier head coaches. That is really the biggest thing for him because if if you have a decision like you you get a guy like Jason Garrett, like Donnie's saying, and Trevor Lawrence decides to sit back, that could totally derail everything you're doing from now on. I think that was a great point that you made that um, Joe Douglas is 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 going to face for um once we get to the offseason and they move on from gays yeah it's uh that's just really what comes out because the coaching is i think the most important part like that's i mean that's how that's how you can get a trevor lawrence right like you don't think he could uh you could stay in college if they don't have a good uh coaching staff there so it's all gonna come down to that it's all gonna come down to that yeah no question good question there from scott move on to his next thought Says thoughts on Le'Veon Bell signing with the Kansas City Chiefs. I know Steve alluded to this earlier. It's a one-year, one million dollar deal to go to Kansas City after the Jets released him. So uh, I'll send it over to you, Steve, here on this first. Yeah, I was. It was a late night move. I was pretty shocked actually. We kind of just released him. Uh, I can't believe it got to that point. Um, figured he'd go to a contending team, and the Chiefs it was. Now they have Edwards Hilaire and him. It's gonna be interesting to see how they use uh, that duo. Um, I feel like most team they're a team that could use a running back duo very like well. Actually, <laughs> they can actually make it work, um, and it won't be a problem. But I'm just excited for Le'Veon to actually like return to himself because people are saying he's all washed up. Sure, is he the the running back who was in the Steelers? Maybe not. He took the year off. Um, you know, it's been a while since he's been that type of player, but uh, he's definitely. He definitely still has an enemy. I know that. I think, again, it comes back to Adam Gase and the usage of him. Um, they tried to use him differently, and they just didn't. So uh, I think he's going with that type of team, with Patrick Mahomes and that offense and Andy Reid. I mean, he he should. He, we'll see if he can uh, be that Steelers player again because I think this is the best opportunity he's going to have. This is uh, – I'm sure he's fired up. They're fired up to have him. It's actually a well-run organization, well-run coach team. Um, I think he's going to do – it's on that team, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely agree with that, especially complimenting Clyde Edwards E. Lair. I think Le'Veon is a great fit because I think one of the things that I was kind of thinking while watching Chiefs games so far is I kind of wish they had a short yardage back, a guy that they can throw out there near the goal line or on third and short. So I think Le'Veon's going to fit in really well in that offense, especially given the fact that he is such a good uh, impact as a receiver as well. I don't know. It makes too much sense. Uh, I was thinking he would either go there or go to Miami and just be the full-time, the, the bell cow, uh, see if he can prove himself. Uh, 
I don't think it really matters, honestly. It's like somebody's going to sign him at, to be the starting running back next year. I don't think there's any question about it, unless he's just really, really bad with the Chiefs, which I, I don't know. You could throw me out there. I'd get three yards per carry. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's, the Chiefs are a model of just doing it right, doing things well the last couple of years. I feel like every move they make, every step that they, they have taken to get better and better has just it, – it's paid in dividends for them. And, I mean, you get Le'Veon Bell for free without having to give up any picks. You just pay him a, a small salary for the year. It's like, why not? And I think 20, 25 other teams in the league would have done the same thing if they could have. So, Yeah, definitely. And also, you look at, uh, obviously, he's going to be great because Adam Gase traded him. And you look at guys like Devontae Parker, who uh, Adam Gase left, Ryan Tannehill. And I think Le'Veon Bell is going to be the next. Robbie uh, Anderson was another guy. Robbie, An- yep, Robbie Anderson, guys that leave the Jets or leave Adam Gase and uh, actually go to a, a system that knows how to uh, run an offense, and they succeed. And Le'Veon Bell, we all know he has the talent. Like it's that's there. He's one of the best running backs, you know, of our uh, the past five five or so years. Um, and every year in the league, he's always up there, top three. So he's got the talent, and I think the Chiefs team just that's ridiculous thought. That's just the thought process of that's uh, scary. Yeah, no question. I think that'll be a great ad for KC. So, uh, good thought there from Scott. Move on to his last football thought for us. He says, since there was no Oklahoma Sooners game last week, I wanted to know your prediction for their game tomorrow. Oklahoma plays TCU. So, uh, OU back after after that week off that Scotty said. They played Texas a few weeks ago, now TCU. I think OU, probably a better team than TCU. TCU's been uh, a little bit better uh, than they were last year. They were pretty trash last year. But, um, yeah, any any Big 12 thoughts from, from either one of you here? Oh my God! Who cares? Oklahoma stinks. <laughs> Shut up! I know. Oh, it might not be the Big Twelve year for OU. They got to. They got to pretty much win out if they win any side. They the already 12. lost two games. It's yeah. over. Go is this home. the? Uh, is this the Fox game of the week? Ooh, Do you I know this. I'm not sure the answer on that. I, I, I don't know. ABC. Honestly, it's on ABC in the morning. I think. I, Big Ten is oh, back this weekend as well. If it's the twelve o'clock Fox game, I'll definitely be watching it because I always tune in. It's uh, who is it? Joe Clatt and um, Gus Johnson. Oh, you know. Oh yeah. It's the, Gus it's the Johnson new ABC Joe game this week. The they, Fox yeah. game is oh, Fox game is Iowa State Oklahoma State. I think. Well, that's why I'll be watching. Ooh, that, that, that's actually yeah. a good Big Twelve game right there. Oklahoma State and Iowa State. Gus Johnson and Joe Clatt, man, just put, put, put a football game. Yeah. For them. I'll listen, they, I'll them really calling that them. Red River game between Texas and OU a couple weeks ago that was a masterpiece from uh, from Gus Johnson. That was an unbelievable game. All right, good that's, stuff. That's screamed. That's Oklahoma TCU screamed like a Fox noon game. But yeah, I also screams know. like a million points. None of those teams play defenses, so <laughs> that's nice. Uh, that's what you get in the Big Twelve. So uh, good thoughts there from Scott. He's got a few more thoughts for us. Now we're going over to hockey on this one. He says, "Why hasn't Matthew Barzell signed yet? And what do you think he'll get offered by the Islanders?" I'll just note quickly that uh, restriction-free agents, usually it takes them a little bit longer in the offseason to get signed. So uh, it's not like it's a huge, huge concern. I'm sure Steve would echo that as well. But um, Steve, your thoughts on what you think Barzil's contract could look like with the Islanders? That's, it's so tough. I've, I've been asked this question a lot. We talked about it on my own uh, Islanders podcast. It's 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 the million-dollar question, uh, literally. Um, <laughs> it's tough because, obviously, with uh, Lou, organization nothing's been leaked nothing will be leaked we don't even have a hint of what they're talking about i heard arthur staple actually said the other day they were just talking kind of like years and not even really deep into the negotiations of numbers so i mean if anyone's expecting it to be announced soon it won't it's going to take probably a long time because uh Lou always says when you have time use it that's his uh probably his <laughs> very old man quote. thing to say right there yeah that's <laughs> that is he says that i'm sure you can google it it's he's all he says that all the time i'm like 
every press conference when you have time use it and that's gonna that's probably what he'd say if someone asked him why isn't Barzell signed yet he'd say because we have time we're gonna use it <laughs> um I don't know I think it depends obviously again if they go will he go eight years seven you know six to eight years I don't know that's or will he take maybe a three or four year kind of like a bridge deal um with the with the island salary situation that's why I don't know because if we had all the money in the world, I wouldn't really be worried. I'd be like, oh, we'll just give him like eight mil, nine mil, like just give him all, just give him the bank and run away with it. But I feel like, are we gonna? Do we still have to make another trade? Like, I don't think that taste trade was enough to clear cap for uh, Pollock, Barzell, and another. Probably, we. I think we need to make another signing on forward. Um, so I think we still maybe we're waiting for another trade, another domino to fall until we can maybe maybe Barzell's waiting for us to see if we can get more money. Um, even though we can go over the obviously you can go over the cap uh, right now, it's not a problem. But I think you'd rather just get that out of the way now and not worry about it. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think because I'm not an Islander fan. Uh, would he go three or four, six to eight? I would say maybe he gets between seven or eight million dollars, uh, depending on the years. I'm not sure. That's that's my biggest st- uh, sticking point is the term. But I think I see him getting between seven, maybe eight and a half tops. Um, I, I guess if I had to guess, I would say more of a bridge. I don't think I think he'd want to get uh, in four years when he's like twenty six, twenty seven. He'd like an opportunity at UFA um, instead of when he's like thirty, twenty nine. Uh, that's just my guess if I was him. But um, that's all. That's all I got really. Yeah. So uh, my thought process on this is he will make more than Honors Lee, um, regardless of what his contract is. I think Honors is making seven even. Uh, I could be yeah. wrong on that one. So. My my thought process is probably three years, eight point one per something along those lines, and then uh, I I think it's less a um I don't know le- less a cap issue more than them not being able to move certain guys they'd like to move. It's like do they need Andrew Ladd anymore? Have have we have we really have I think the train has has left the station on Andrew Ladd. I don't think that he's going to be a productive player at any point throughout his contract. Um, if I'm wrong, you know, so be it. But. Uh, I think it's probably more or less them not having the ability to move cap because nobody else has cap to like work with at this point. It's like we've seen teams like the Senators have, have just spent a, an ass ton of money this year, which is not surprising. They needed to do something. But there's not many teams that would be willing to take on bad contracts, especially at this point. Um, most of the teams still have to worry about their own guys. A lot of guys in RFA still. Um, we've seen a very, very strange free agency here. There's still a lot of guys in free agency that haven't signed yet, like Mike Hoffman, for example, who's just kind of – he's vibing right now. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's it's going to have to be a short contract. They're going to have to trade somebody, whether it's a guy like, I don't know, Tzizekas or Boychuk, or they won't, they won't move Letty. I think they've established that already. But – they're going to have to do something, and there's no real moves to make. They don't have any leverage at all, and they've put themselves in a very bad um, situation. Um, Lou, executive of the year, uh, probably not going to uh, repeat next year on that one. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you guys on the idea of a bridge deal here. I just think the fact that the situation right now that the cap's flat and we don't really know a lot of long-term security, I don't think Barzil's going to want to lock up um, that full eight-year maximum contract that he could get. So I think a three-year, four-year deal uh, right at around $8 million is is about where I'm in that ballpark as well. So, um, yeah, good analysis. I know Steve obviously has the, uh, the most insight on that. Yeah, I like you guys said in your last um, previous podcast about Donald as being probably the most interesting team to watch in the offseason. Um, I would agree. 
Because again, you they still have moves to make. Like they're not done. I think Boychuk's be the next one. He's been rumored to be the next one. Um, apparently, we are pounding trade offers for Boychuk because um, he, he has a six million dollar cap hit, but all of his money was uh, up front. So I think his salary is actually like one point five million or something, one point three. Like he's not actually getting paid a lot of money, um, which apparently, obviously, in this in this world is important for ownership. Yeah. They don't really want to just throw out money, so. Yeah, he counts six mil towards a cap, but he's not he's not getting paid anything. He's getting paid like a million dollars. The NHL so. salary cap where we have real money and fake money. So that's really Yes, nice. literally. It's 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 the craziest thing. Like that's <laughs> that's what makes Boychuk movable. Like really. Uh it's because of his actual salary. Um he's got two years left, maybe a team wants to screw it. I don't know. He's a good veteran guy. Uh, he I think he could st- he could still play. Like Andrew Ladd cannot play. Like Andrew Ladd's gonna be in Bridgeport probably most of the year, unless there's some injuries in the Islanders. He's not gonna take the spot over a young, a young player or we'll just sign someone else. He he's not useful. Maybe uh, the Blackhawks will trade him. back for him. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's Stan Bowman's rebuild. <laughs> getting Ladd back. Are you telling me Boychuk's going to the Sabres? Is that is that what you're saying? I Boychuk's going somewhere. I, I heard Ottawa tried tried to get him. Um but then they got Gustafson, right? So I don't know if that's still uh, an option for them. But I think Boychuk's gone. Komarov, I would love to move. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't. <laughs> Good luck on that he, one. Uncle Leo. That's, that is the term, the, the term, man. Like, why do you? Uh, whatever. Yeah, Leo's, he, Leo's got multiple years. He's Uncle Leo. You know, Uncle know. Leo. Uncle Leo, he's good with, he can speak French with Bo or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, he's good Uncle in the room, Leo but he's off Grandpa on the Lou. ice. Yeah, he's, he, they literally got him because he's a good locker room guy. But, like, do you need to give a guy $3 million for, what was it, four years? Only three, four years to be a locker room guy, to be an uncle, like to be the team uncle? That's that's <laughs> yeah, an expensive like, uncle. Yeah, that's a real yeah. whatever for um, me. Uh, Letty, I mean, Barry Trotz actually ridiculously loves Nick Letty. Um, he had a good Eastern Conference final. The rest of his playoffs was kind of iffy, but I mean, he also kind of has a mad contract. Um, I think he's obviously a, a useful player. I think he'd probably play defense on a lot of teams, unlike maybe like a boy Chuck, maybe won't because of his age. But Letty, he's useful. He can skate. He can kind of do something at least. But Trotz loves him, so he's he's not uh, moving. But yeah, I don't freaking know. It's I just want more things to happen. But under a Lou management, you're not going to hear anything until it happens. So. See. Yeah, good stuff. Always good to hear Steve's Islanders thoughts. I don't know many people that know more about Islanders hockey than Steve, so uh, good insight from him on that one. Move on to a few more of Scott's questions. He's got two more. He says, tell me why you think Moneyball East, aka the Tampa Bay Rays, will win the World Series. I know obviously Donnie's not picking that to happen, but yeah, Steve, let's hear, let's hear some World Series thoughts from you. Why the Rays will win the World Series? Well, to answer his question, the answer is they won't. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the short answer to it. Um, I think tonight's the most important game. I do think the Dodgers will win it. Uh, the Rays have been a good story. I think they're a really well-run team. I don't like Kevin Cash. I mean, as a Yankees fan, the Rays have uh, kind of picked up their rivalry with us. Um, I don't like Kevin Cash at all, but I have to respect him. I think he's a good manager. Um, the reason why I think the Yankees lost is because I tried to outsmart the Rays, which was just not their job. The Rays are a smart-run team. Um, they have overall good lineup, and uh, top top three pitching is pretty good with uh, Morton, Snell, and I love Glass now. I think he's really one of the most underrated pitchers in the league. And but the Dodgers did their year. I've said it to Donnie. I've said it before. Yeah. Um, I think he even tweeted it. It's just it's one of those things like Tampa Bay Lightning. It was their year. I think it's just the Dodgers year. Their team is hands down the best in the league. Uh, Mookie Betts is just if we. People who didn't appreciate him enough, obviously they do now. And I'm happy he's out of Boston and doing it in L.A. <laughs> Much rather enjoy seeing that. 
uh, Cody Bellinger's catching balls with his eyes closed. Uh, Seager's hitting dingers. It's like top to down. They're still the best team in the league. And I still have them winning the World Series. Yeah, I, I don't see uh, where the Rays can win a seven-game series against the Dodgers. I just don't see it. Yeah, I get the same feel. I'm also going with the Dodgers in this series. But I mean, even just going back to that Game Seven against the Braves, you have something like Kike Hernandez hitting the tying home run, and then Cody Bellinger coming back and hitting the game winner. It just seems like they have so much depth. I know that's something that Donnie and I always harp on um, that we like in championship teams. That and the Dodgers definitely have that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely definitely going with the Dodgers. But um, it's. See, the thing, it's not even just offensive depth, too. It's like pitching. They're throwing May and Gonsolin as relievers, just throwing them out there. Whereas Dustin May is legitimately, I'd say, like a top three pitching prospect in the league, and I think he's established himself as a guy that just has wicked, just ridiculous stuff. Um, But, yeah, it's like you could start anybody that the Dodgers have on their roster and still be like, yeah, whatever. It's like Austin Barnes uh, It was hitting like 400 for the playoffs. I don't like him. I wish he would never play. But he's he's Kershaw's personal (laughs) catcher. He's getting it done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he gets it done. Uh, Edwin Rios, guys like that hit hit dingers just out of nowhere. Edwin Rios was was basically a nobody until last year, and then he came up. And he's like, oh, right, you know, he, I exist too. Um, I don't know. The one thing about the Rays that I do enjoy is they get production out of everybody, even if the players are like kind of stinky. It's like Brandon Lau hit two home runs last game after hitting 0-42 uh, for the start of the playoffs. It's like he's really figured it out. Um, I don't know. I find it hard to believe that the Rays could stick around with the Dodgers in a seven-game series, but if they win game three, it's like anything can happen, especially because they'll have Snell and Glasnow to go again. Um, I, I'd like to think the Dodgers can win three, and then if if they win three, game four should be a Dodgers win because the Rays are going to have to go with a bullpen game or pitch somebody that's not that good. Um, so I, I, game three is the most crucial game that we've seen in the World Series, and we're going to see in the World Series probably until game seven. Yeah, we're all going with the Dodgers here. Let's just go real quick around the horn. How many games do you think this series will go? I'll start, I think, six. I got Dodgers in six. Steve? I, six has always seemed like the sweet number. Like, I'd always, like, honestly, like any series, I'm like, six just sounds good. Yeah, it's not it's too a safe low, pick. it's not too high. It's like, I don't know. I want to say Dodgers in seven. Oh, well, if it goes seven, I'm worried. Um, So... <laughs> The Dodgers will have Bueller game three on full rest, Urias four on game rest, uh, or five days rest. Uh, game five would probably be Kershaw on full rest. Game six would be a bullpen game. So I'd probably go, I'll say Dodgers in seven, although I, I don't know. They could win a bullpen game very easily. A bullpen game would probably mean Dustin may start. Uh, Gonsolin has been bad. Uh, I don't know. I'll take Dodgers in six, uh, although I think it probably ends up going seven if there is a game six. Um, realistically, unless, unless the Dodgers shit the bed, which always could happen, you know, Dodgers playoff resume is not great. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll take Dodgers in seven, but I'd like to see it over quicker. Yeah, nice. I think I think we're keeping the uh, the the seven train rolling here with uh, both teams <laughs> previously just had a game seven, so we're gonna. Yeah. We're going to roll with the game sevens. Yeah, we're definitely giving the Rays their respect. I mean, the fact that they've made it this far, I mean, I definitely didn't expect them to go through both uh, the Yankees and the Astros. So, uh, money but least, that's what Scotty G referred to them here. So, uh, they've been good, but we're all going with the Dodgers in the series overall. Last question from Scott. It's a Halloween question, so kind of funny, but he says, what's the best chocolatey and the best fruit Halloween candy? So, uh, best chocolate candy for me is definitely Kit Kats and fruity Halloween candy. I'm not, I'm not a huge fruity, fruity Halloween candy, but I mean... Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, again, this might upset. I think you guys know this might upset people. I don't like uh, chocolate. I don't really eat okay. candy. Um, it is true. I respect it. Which I think is a good. Honestly, I'm happy because it's not really good for you. So, like, I'm kind of happy. I don't like it. I've heard I don't dark chocolate it. is good for you, but that's about it. 
Dark yeah, Trials tastes like nothing. So Dark, Dark, I don't yeah, know. I'm not a big Dark Trials. That's guy. my, that's my, that's my thing. That's probably like if someone, oh, what's a? So do you have a fruity candy, Steve? Uh I don't really eat candy. I see. I like fruity stuff. I don't mind fruity stuff. Maybe like I don't Sour know, Patch Kids, discount. Sour okay, Patch Kids, fish. Swedish, um, uh, Jolly Ranchers are fruity. I don't know if that's like Halloween candy, but that's fruity stuff, I guess. Um, what about Starburst? I don't know. Starburst. That's underrated. That's a good oh comment from Donnie. I used to like keep the wrappers and stuff. Right? I used to. I think there was. I would I always always get yeah, the Starburst yeah. wrappers, and I would I would evenly fold it out just so it was the open sheet. Yes, you know they're yes, always crazy yeah. fold. Yeah. If you didn't do that, I really don't know what you're doing. Starburst are good, yeah. Sorry, I'm more I'm definitely more of a candy. It's candy. It's gonna be fruity. It's not gonna be chocolate. Maybe white yeah. chocolate. I, I respect know, it. Who eats white I, chocolate? I All right, Donnie, let's hear it. Um, I go Reese's and Swedish Fish. Um, I definitely like Reese's because the peanut butter definitely helps. I'm not a big just sole chocolate guy. Like I know people eat Hershey's bars. I don't know how they do it. It's just too much for me. It's too much sweet. Um, and Starburst or Swedish Fish. I'd probably go Swedish Fish. Um, but I I don't really like the whole sticky consistency honestly i'm not a big fan of candy in general i don't think um i don't know I, I you can eat swedish fish and be happy though that, that's the thing uh so so i'll go with reese's and swedish fish all right we'll take it hopefully uh, uh i have a yeah go ahead steve i actually, I actually have like an emergency uh comment here i think it's relevant we talked about it uh antonio brown is uh, that what you're thinking yeah antonio brown tampa bay buccaneers Bucks. tom brady's been pushing according to ian rapaport yeah. um for the Bucks live podcasting right here brown. breaking news yeah, live emergency podcast right now <laughs> uh meeting with the bucks saturday and they're motivated to sign him so that would be interesting tom yeah. brady and antonio brown uh reunited yeah we were talking about stack receiving cores i mean you're throwing antonio brown with mike evans and chris godwin that's another chris one godwin, right yeah. yeah so that's uh like like we said you can't have enough depth honestly you can't have enough yeah. depth i mean it's interesting because like tom brady must really have i mean obviously he's a talented receiver but i mean he was with him in new england and then that that didn't work out and now tom brady wants him back so um, and if Tom Brady wants something, I feel like he usually gets it for the most part. So I agree. He got Gronk. Um, I so, think the yes. Bucks. Yeah, I think the Bucks. If they can get Gronk out of retirement to sign him, I think I think Antonio Brown's gonna be a Buck. <laughs> I think I really, I really think that's, that's what happen. it sounds like. All right, good stuff. That is definitely breaking news. That that's news to us. So hopefully you are interested in that. But uh, we have another question here related to football from our friend Jake at Prime Jakey. Says if the New York Giants have the second overall pick. Do they take Justin Fields or Trey Lance, or do they go Penny Sewell from Oregon? So this is an interesting thought. Obviously, would the Giants consider going with one of the top quarterbacks, or would they go with a tackle? Donnie, obviously being the Giants fan, I'll let you go first here. No, they trade down. Uh, if they don't get number one and they don't get have the chance to get Lawrence, they trade down um, to a team that does need a quarterback, and they roll with Daniel Jones for another year, see how that one goes. Uh, I think I've established, basically, it doesn't make any sense for them to go with Trey Lance or Justin Fields because they're not... Um, I, they're not as locks as number two or number three pick caliber players as Trevor Lawrence is a number one. I think he's far and ahead the best quarterback in this draft, and it's not even close. Um, I would assume they trade down uh, five or six. Uh, Gregory Russo, guy like that, some something like that. Um, where you, you can add on a talented player later in the draft and add on draft capital. I think that's probably what the Jets should do as well. I don't think they should trade. Or they should uh, if they don't get number one, they should trade down. I think that's the same with most teams. Um, outside of maybe like the Washington football team who doesn't really have a quarterback still. I think they, they're sick of Haskins or something like that. Um, but yeah, if, if I'm the Giants, I trade down if I get number two. It just, it's, it's a sad sign if they end up getting number two and number one goes to the Jets and the Jets end up with Lawrence and Lawrence ends up being great. And then you look back at them randomly winning games that they didn't need to win and then it's just it's upsetting. Um, but yeah, I would say they do the, the draft capital thing, trade down uh, like what happened in the golf year, trade down, get draft picks, call it a day. 
Yeah, I like that cons, actually. That's not something we see a lot from the Giants the, of trading down, but I think that would actually be a good idea. I'm, I'm with you on It'll that. Be a new I mean, GM, so, you know. Oh, fair point, yeah. But uh, just going off the field, we haven't seen Justin Fields play this year. Big Ten starts this weekend. Trey Lance, he plays for North Dakota State. They only played one, like, scrimmage. I, I think I'm a little reserved on Trey Lance just because we only saw him for one full year at North Dakota State, and then we're not going to see him at all. At least we'll get to see a little bit of Justin Fields. I don't think Fields would be a terrible pick, but uh, I definitely think the option of trading down would be good. Jake also mentioned Penny Soul from Oregon. It's actually kind of funny. If, if I'm sure a lot of people are like, I don't really follow offensive linemen, but Penny Soul, left tackle for Oregon, literally a generational left tackle. Like this guy was getting like Heisman hype before last year. The his mobility and he's just this gigantic left tackle. Like literally probably the best left tackle prospect to come out in the last like decade. So um, that would definitely be a solid option as well. Obviously, you could pair him with Andrew Thomas, who they took uh, in the first round last year. But uh, yeah, Steve, go ahead, chime in here. Yeah, I think trading back, I, I, I talked about Donnie earlier, actually, uh, with the Jets. I think the Giants is a similar situation. Um, I think kind of like the Darnold and Jones thing. Like, I don't I don't think they're going to give – I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. I think they're going to stick with Daniel Jones. Um, and then at that point, I think it's your best option to trade back. Um, and I think if you're not going to take a Fields uh, or Lance, like, I think it's – I mean, I, you could go offensive line. Maybe, like, what do I mean? Uh, would you rather trade back or draft, like, O-line or Jamar Chase, you know? Um Maybe what's there's a linebacker in there. I think. Uh, yeah, Micah Parsons from Penn State. Parsons, yeah, yep. Parsons, yeah. So like, it's would you are they worth the number two pick? I think trading back again. GMs either love their draft picks or they hate them. Like some GMs just love piling out draft picks, and some GMs just love trading them. <laughs> um, I think the Giants are in a position where draft capital would be beneficial, more beneficial than uh, picking someone. I don't know. Maybe you don't love at number two. Um, there isn't like maybe an obvious pick. Um, when you can get maybe some of those guys at four or five, like Donnie said, there's a team that needs a quarterback. They can draft uh, Justin Fields, and then you those guys you were going to draft the two are still there at four, five, six, you know, wherever, wherever they uh, end up being if they trade back. So um, I would definitely on the Giants. I would aggressively try to move back. Uh, in the, if I was sitting at number two and Trevor Lawrence is a Jet, um, or if whoever has number one, and um, yeah, it just. I think it'd be more beneficial just because you get a lot. You'd probably, it's not Trevor Lawrence capital, but you still number two pick for a quarterback. If a team really wants it, you you can get a, a good chunk back. So, um, and a team that's still kind of rebuilding, I think it'd be beneficial. Yeah, definitely agree with that. I, I think another part of this question too, just kind of relates to like Daniel Jones, like other giants even sold with Daniel Jones being kind of that franchise guy. So, uh, Donnie, I kind of want to hear some of your thoughts on on where your evaluation is with Dan when it relates to Daniel Jones. I know obviously you weren't the biggest fan of that pick when it happened, but um, yeah, just kind of give me an overview on on where you're at right now when it comes to Daniel Jones as Giants quarterback. I don't know. Seeing him aggress is a little bit disturbing. Um, you would expect a guy like that who had a good rookie year, fumbled the ball a lot, turned the ball over a good amount, um, but had a good rookie year and was looked like he was really gaining confidence and and growing in quality year after year uh he has been really bad this year and it may be uh, a lack of weapons it may be a lack of blocking but it's not like this wasn't there last year that's that's my question is what happened to make him so much worse than he is this year especially with jason garrett who was supposed to be uh, at least good for him i think that was a consensus pick uh, amongst um analysts and such saying that garrett would probably be a positive for him um, you know, you know, maybe opening the offense up a little bit. Uh, we hadn't seen the Giants go down the field very often until last night, and when they did go down the field, it worked uh, a good amount. It's like we we saw Golden Tate look relevant for the first time this season, which is great. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I'm worried more or less that they're gonna stick with Daniel Jones. He's gonna bust. Um, I think that 
they have a real crossroads, and the next GM is going to have a lot of work to do. Um, I'd like to think that if they did, did end up with number one, they would go Lawrence and then do the Josh Rosen thing, trade him for a second or a third or whatever, call it a day. I don't think they'll end up with number one pick. Um, the division's too bad. They'll end up winning more games, which is unfortunate. Uh, the Eagles proved last night that the division is really, really stinky. Yes. Um, uh, if the Eagles can barely beat the Giants, what happens when they play Washington again or they play Dallas? Uh, you know, it's just like you never know. Um but yeah, I'd say with Jones, you stick around with him if you don't get number one. Um, you trade down like the Rams that uh, traded up a couple years ago with the Titans and ended up with um, uh, first, seconds, thirds, future first, a future third, um, stuff like that. Just gaining capital because the Giants team, similar to the Jets, they have so many holes and so many positions they need to just get quality players out that they just haven't been able to the last couple of years. Yeah, really like that analysis. I think that would be definitely a great option for the Giants. I thought you said that really well there. So uh, good question there from Jake, fellow Giants fan. Uh, some thoughts there looking ahead for the Giants. We appreciate that. Last two question askers we get this podcast. Our friend AJ at DeVito Sports on Twitter. He says, favorite member of the At Skates in Stakes podcast, our buddy Steve. Obviously, he's a member of that. So Steve, you want to pick out one of your one of your favorite co-hosts on that podcast? You want to you start some issues here? Start some issues. They'll definitely start issues. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I thought about it. Picking a favorite between those three is like that's that's not an easy question. Um, I think you got to go with the most underrated one. It's Connor. Um, right. Listen, he may not. He may be a little overwhelmed with the with the podcast scene and being put on the spot, as uh, Jake and AJ would know behind the scenes. He's uh he's quite the character and answering questions that are quite simple but uh he brings he brings some laugh to the group and um just just a good guy all around and i think he's he's more easier to more easier to pick than a guy like aj or especially jake um wow shout to jake who unfortunate who knows i mean he can't even get his he, his mic can't work his headset can't work his laptop can't work he can't work it's like it's always something with jake uh, <laughs> so uh yeah that's i guess that's my uh Okay. That's my comment on that. We'll take the sleeper for, for the Isles podcast. Donnie, let's hear it. <laughs> uh, you know, he picked Connor. I'll pick AJ. I think AJ has the best. He probably has the most, uh, you know, reasonable mind uh, of the remaining groups. Obviously, I can't pick Steve. I'd pick Steve uh, above everybody else because Steve is, is the guy. Steve's the boy. Uh, we've been friends for a long time. But I think AJ probably has the best uh, brain on all of them. You know, it's like Jake thinks that they're going to end up trading for line A and getting Hoffman. And I honestly have no idea what Connor thinks about anything. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like Connor's probably a loose cannon. He's probably off the wall. Um, so I'll go with AJ simply because I think he's probably the most relaxed and, and understand that you, you could actually like talk to him and have a decent conversation with him. So I'll go with that because you really can't talk to Jake the sport, uh, sports at all, like period. Like I would hate to do that. <laughs> Connor hey. just thinks we're gonna suck forever and everything sucks. Well, you so are. He's, he's negative, you know, Nancy. He just he just thinks like. Hey, sometimes you need like, some of those guys. You need yeah, some people. Like, not Listen, the worst no. thing in the world, honestly. Yeah. When it comes to sports, oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, sometimes he he's like uh, if he's actually optimistic and like positive, he's probably on drugs. So yeah, that's that's Connor. Tough, tough. Like the total opposite of Jake and AJ. 
Great. So uh, my answer for this, yeah, we, we've got Jake and AJ, two people I've met before. I've not met Connor before, <laughs> but I've talked with Steve the most. Steve's my guy. Steve's, Steve's been one of my good friends for a long time. So I know, I know Donnie was a little bullish on it, but I'm not afraid. I'll go with Steve, uh, my favorite member. But yeah, definitely check it out. Our friends over there. Uh, Steve shared a lot of IELTS thoughts this podcast. So if that interests you, definitely go check it out at Skates in Skates. Skates in Stakes. There we go. Steve, you came up with that name. Obviously, I was playing in Belmont coming up. So uh, good answer there. Jake, or uh, excuse me, AJ also asked us what our thoughts on the Matt Barzell contract. We answered that uh, a little bit earlier, but we definitely appreciate that question as well. So last question here for our podcast. It's a question from our friend Vin. He always changes his app, but right now it's at 13 Laffy. Shout out to Alexis Lafreniere. So Rangers love Somebody's for Donnie. Somebody's stopping with that. Yeah, I'm it's, it's very it. frequent the amount of times Vin changes his app. But he says, hi, Steve. Do you love me? <laughs> Vin, I really love Vin, bro. He is like, he's the man. This is this is like a Vin appreciation segment right here. He is, listen, he, we, as a friend group, he always gets picked on the most. We always, we always uh, point to him, but he takes like a champ. He knows it's a joke. He's a good man. He works at Taco Bell. Um, and he is quite the character. He's definitely, I, I always say, I always say, yeah, he's a solid goaltender. He works hard. Um, he's always, I always say he's the most underrated, like funniest guy. I don't know. I feel like he's just like, he doesn't get enough appreciation, Ben. So, uh, so we're giving it to him right now. Then, you know, a little little clap for Ben here. Um, We love Ben at this podcast. Oh yeah. We've given Ben his own scouting report on this podcast. I I literally, Ben asked about him as a draft prospect. So I looked up his huddle, Steve. I literally went back and looked up his huddle (laughs) and I found, I found, I found his huddle. Yeah, I, I literally I did the research for him, and he was like, yep. I didn't even know they existed. Um, Plug so and play D tackle right there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, good stuff. It's been an awesome podcast. Awesome to uh, get a lot of different perspectives on some of our teams. Obviously, Steve joining us. So, uh, really big shout out to Steve. But yeah, Steve, I'll turn it over to you now. Plug whatever you want. If you want to plug more about your your Isles podcast, your social media, whatever it is you want to say, the floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, I just want to say thank. You. I mean, this is actually a lot of fun. Though. I knew it was going to be. Uh... Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, skate, uh, yeah, skates and stakes, like you said. It's it's an N, not end. It's uh the the letter N. When you type it in, so give us a follow, give us a listen. Um, you don't need to follow me. I don't think you'd want to hear me banter. So no plug for me. I'm humble. But, okay. Uh, I don't know if we've had that before, but we respect the humbleness <laughs> from Steve. So, uh, yeah, obviously, big shout out to Steve. It was a fun podcast. But yeah, Donnie, go go. You want to wrap things up here? Sure. Uh, Sheck West, come on the podcast. We've been through this. It's, it's, I don't have to say it again. Um, oh, Steve, we also got to say follow our, our podcast on Spotify. That was something Donnie and I talked yes, about this past yes. week. If you, so, if you so, have not, you've made it to the end of this podcast, just just hit the follow button on uh, on Spotify, if, if Apple Podcasts, follow, whatever it is. It, it'll pop right up uh, when we have a new, uh, a new episode and everything is great. Um, obviously, you know, uh, shout out to Steve. Shout out to Steve's dad for walking in. You know, I'd love to see it. Um, <laughs> I hope. Everybody has a great rest of your day. Uh, Steve, you will be getting plugged in when I tweet out the uh, podcast episode, so you're going to deal with it whether you like it or not. Um, yeah, But yeah, I, I really appreciate you for coming on. I appreciate all the questions we got. Another, We had like a dozen questions. Um, I, I, Scotty, stop asking about Oklahoma football. I don't care. Um, <laughs> other than that, I hope everybody has a great day, and we will see you again next week with another episode. Peace, everybody. Peace. If it ain't about a dream, then it ain't about me. Go a couple full weeks without a good night's sleep. 
imagination Making musical creation A journey that I'm facing Plus the paper that I'm chasing Got me crazy after saying With the lames I see you hating But there's nothing that you changing Thumbs up I'm maintaining No complaining when it's raining I'll be in another zone Move out my mother's home To a world to call my own I ain't gonna play around no more Find a difference from the ground and the floor If we gotta fight I'll be down for the war Thumbs up homie I'll be sure No matter where life takes me Find me 